Romans 13. We're going to look at verses 8 through 14. If you're a guest of ours or new here, we uh, generally like to work through books of the Bible verse by verse. And so this is Paul's letter that he wrote to the church at Rome in the first century, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God and put in the scriptures for us today. And we've been working through chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And the last two weeks, we were able to look at uh, the Christian's responsibility and government and how it is good for us to submit to authority and submit to the governing authorities for as long as we possibly can until they tell us to do something or command us to do something that goes against God's word. Then we can no longer obey them. Or if they forbid us to do something God has commanded. For example, gathering together to worship the Lord. If, they, if the government were to say, you cannot do that, we would have to say, sorry, God outranks you. He's higher up, so we listen to God. But this whole section comes off of, if you'll remember, Romans 12, where it talks about that for the Christian, we now have the Spirit of God, and our minds need to be renewed. Our minds need to be uh, made different by the work of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the Word of God. And so he's telling us, the Apostle Paul's teaching us, how it is that we're supposed to act and live among other people. And today we're going to look at this short section on how we're to, the phrasing is, put on Christ, which I'll explain what that is, put on Christ and love other people well. So let me pray real quickly and ask the Lord to help me with this time. Father, I love you and thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that you have not left us to, your, to ourselves, but you have revealed yourself to us in your word and in Christ. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me to be faithful to preach this text, that everyone here would understand what it means by your work, Holy Spirit, and help us, for those who are followers of Jesus already, that you would make us look more like Jesus. For those who do not know you, Lord, we ask that they would come to know you today by trusting in you. Be with us now, please, Lord, help me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me read through the text one time, and then we'll work through it verse by verse. Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality or sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. All right, we're going to work through it 
verse by verse and see what God has for us today. With verse 8, it starts off, Paul, this section, he starts off and he says, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves an another has fulfilled the law. So what we want to do is you guys remember that just before this, in the section concerning governmental authorities, in verse 7, he said, pay to all what is owed. So we're supposed to pay everyone what we owe them. Well, what do we owe them sometimes? Well, if you owe taxes, guess what you should do? You should pay your taxes. I don't get a lot of amens there, though, I notice. <laughs> no affirmation, no amen. Okay. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. So then he goes into verse 8 here. He says, owe no one anything. So make sure you don't have to owe anyone any of those things. You should be giving those things whatever you owe. Real side note here, I don't think this passage is talking about whether or not you can take out a loan, by the way. Some people will go here when it says, owe no one anything except love. They're like, oh, see, you can't take out a loan. No, you can. The point is, guess what? You pay it back. <laughs> Rightly. Now, again, there is, there is a lot of wisdom when it comes to borrowing money, and you want to consider all the scriptures there and be very careful, but that's not what the point of this passage is. Okay, remember, sometimes there'll be verses that are used out of context to try to support a point. That's not the point here. What's Paul's point? Oh, no one anything except to love each other. The point's love. That's where he's getting to in this part of the passage. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. He's going to explain what it means to fulfill the law and why. But just with this love idea, it's, it's, it's not like we have a debt that we have to pay somebody and that's going to kind of run out or you're going to fill that up eventually. See, here's the point. It's like this. Jesus is the principal of the money. He's the principal. Okay, this is just an analogy. So what it means is he is the, the prize. He's the treasure that those who trust in him, you get Christ. Now the overflow or the interest that comes off of Christ is love. And it lasts forever. So guess what you get to do for all of your lives? If you have Christ, the interest of love just comes out and comes out, and so you get to love everybody. And I don't mean just people that you like. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Okay, so we're going we're to obey the Apostle Paul by the power of the Spirit. We're going to love everyone. Where we fulfill the law when we do this. So look at verse 9. For the commandments. Now he's going back to the Old Testament here that Moses wrote. And he says in the book of Exodus, and he says, for the commandments. And he's going to list off a few of the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. So you're not to have relations with outside of marriage with others. You shall not murder. Some of you are like, well, that's easy. I don't do that. Remember what Jesus says about murder though, right? Hatred in your heart. Same thing as, y'all ever hate anyone? Yeah, <laughs> look at you. No. <laughs> then here's the reality. You're murderers. I mean, I am too, but not as bad as you guys are. <laughs> no, but we are. We really are. We hate other people in our hearts. And so Jesus would say, that is the same as murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And so just in case you were tempted to only use those, he then goes on to say this. And any other commandment are summed up in this word. So any other commandment, the way that we love other people, any commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You ever think about that? 
Because I don't know about you guys, but I really love myself. We're, we're pretty good at loving ourselves. But we're supposed to love others the same way. The problem is, generally speaking, I don't annoy myself. But others, none of you, right? You guys, you don't really annoy yourselves very much, but others do. They're summed up. All the law, you go to the Old Testament, all these laws that you're to obey, especially the nation of Israel in particular, but all the laws, they're summarized with, guess what? It's easy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Problem? That's not very easy. That quote there that Paul is using, or that passage, comes out of the book of Leviticus. But Jesus also picks up on it. Look in your notes here. Luke chapter 10, 25 through 37. Jesus picks up on the same language. So let me tell you a little, a little story about what happened with Jesus one time. Behold, a lawyer stood up to put him, being Jesus, to the test. Reminder, don't try to put Jesus to the test. You will fail every single time. We still try to do it. So a lawyer, okay, trained, here we go. I'm going I'm to get Jesus, here we go. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You may be somebody that thinks that there's no life after this. Well, let me share this with you today, that there is life after this. This is nothing but a vapor. We are here for a short time, and then we go somewhere else. Again, we are not just physical bodies that have a soul, but we are soul spirits that have physical bodies, and we go to this place the Scriptures call heaven. And eternal life itself is not just going to a place, but eternal life is a person. Eternal life is Jesus, being with Him forever. Because it's through Jesus that we are with God. So he asks him, what do I do to in inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Jesus, you know, isn't it great? People ask him questions. What does he do? He goes back and goes ask them questions. You want to be wise? Ask questions. Some of you could really use the encouragement not to speak as much. <laughs> ask questions and listen. That's what we see Jesus doing. Now, what do you, and he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind holistically, right? And your neighbor as yourself. Those two things, you get eternal life. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. Now, how many of us do that perfectly? None. What's remarkable, though, is that Jesus did this perfectly for us because he knew we could not. But he, desiring to justify himself, I'm going to justify myself before Jesus, he said to Jesus, <laughs> love my neighbor as myself. Well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Who do I have to love like myself? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Two cities, guy was traveling, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, now by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by the, on the other side. How about that, a priest? 
walking along, sees him beating on the ground, walks on the other side. That's something you'd think a priest would do. Ideally, they would stop and help. So likewise, a Levite, part of God's people, one of the tribes, again, holy priest, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Like the the pastor passes by on the other side and then the whole church, they're passing on the other side and the person is hurt and needing help. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii. He took out some money, and he gave it to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. What's remarkable is the Samaritans and the Jews, they did not like one another. He's doing this for someone that generally the world would say you don't like that person and so you certainly don't help that person. And not only does he help him, look how far he goes. Puts him on his own animal, takes him to the inn and then says, take care of him and if anything else extra, let me know and I'll take care of him. He goes above and beyond. So many times we won't even be kind to people. We won't even be kind to people we like, let alone an enemy. So that's what Jesus tells this guy. Then he asks him this. This is the gotcha part. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Answer, verse 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. What he was telling him was, guess what? You don't have it figured out, Mr. Lawyer. Let me teach you what love really is. And now, if you understand it, you go and do likewise. Church, we go and do likewise. We go and we love even our enemies. We pray for our enemies. We love everybody because the great love with which God has loved us. Look at verse 10 back in our Romans passage. Go back to Romans. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Take out that word neighbor or now put in what we know that to mean. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. And just in case you're curious, yes, that's what it says in the Greek. I know some of you may have been pulling for love does some wrong to a neighbor, especially if they deserve it. Isn't it hard, though? It's hard to love people, especially if you're like, they don't deserve my love. They don't deserve my love. But that's where the gospel, what does gospel mean? One more time, what does gospel mean? Good news. Bad news? You're a sinner, 
separated from God. You have no way to earn your salvation. You have no way to go to heaven. Good news, God knew that, sends Jesus to die for you on the cross, to live the perfect life you should have lived, but you don't. Die the death that you should have died. But after three days, what did he do? He rose, defeating sin, Satan, and death. The good news is, Jesus did all that because he loves you. And he loves you even though you don't deserve it. We're the unlovables. But God loves us. Because he's great, like we were singing earlier. So likewise, when we have this great love that's been given to us and the Spirit of God living inside of us, then we love everyone. Because that's what God does. And that's the heart of God. Doesn't matter their political group. It doesn't matter their nationality. It doesn't matter their perspective on something else. We love because that's what our Savior does. Continuing on here, he says, we do no wrong to a neighbor. This is how we fulfill the law. Verse 11, besides this, he continues on. He's going to give us kind of some reasons now, some more reasons to why we do this. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Sleep, wake up. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I'm going to need a few volunteers. Oh, Mr. Roy, fantastic. Love for you to come up here. All right. He really loves this when I bring him up. You're going to come over here. I've done this a few times for you guys. You're going to be here. Oh, Philip, you're putting your papers down. You knew it. Look at this. Come up here. Fantastic. You get to be right here. And I know that Jeff is really excited as well to be right up here. Jeff, if you'll come right here. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So real quick here, if salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. Well, I thought we were saved. Well, according to the Scriptures, we're saved and we're being saved. Kind of both true. So if you'll remember, we're going to say this kind of over these three guys all together is salvation. We've talked about this before. Salvation. But there's these parts made up in salvation. So the first one, Oh, a little quiz here this morning. What is the first part of salvation that we talk about? Starts with a J. Let me hear it. Justification. And trusting in Christ, believing in his life and his death and his resurrection in our place for our sins, we are then made right before God. Justification. Then we live this life and we still struggle because we have our flesh, but we have the Spirit of God and we're struggling, struggling, struggling. That's the middle portion that we live in now. And that is, starts with an S, Sanctification. Sanctification. The way we like to say it here is becoming more like Jesus every day. Amen? Amen. Some of us are like, it's slow. <laughs> it is. Sometimes we're in the boat and it's just cruising along. We're like, yeah, this is great. Other times we're just crawling slowly. What's the point? We repent of sin and we keep going, looking like Jesus. And then one day we die from this place and we go to be with Christ. And then we have, it starts with a G. What is that? glorification so all together here we have salvation we've experienced justification you are saved we're in sanctification becoming more like jesus you're being saved and glorification that's what's coming does that make sense so that's what we're talking about thank you guys give them a hand that wasn't so bad this time no no so back in our text here 
salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed because we're getting closer to the end and we're looking more and more like Jesus. Verse 12, the night is far gone. The night, 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 night. The darkness, right? Salvation is talked about of coming out of darkness and into light, being transferred from the kingdom of darkness over to the kingdom of light. The, de- the darkness here, the night is far gone. The day is at hand, getting closer to the, the end, but we're more and more in the light. So then, so then, because of that, because the darkness, the, the night is far gone, because you're looking more like Jesus, so then let us cast off works of darkness and put on the armor of light. What he's saying is, hey, you're saved. You're made holy. You're in the light. So guess what you should do? You should live that way. Right? You should live that way. Not, and don't, don't, don't get this wrong, it's not that I'm going to live this way, live a holy life, walk in the light, follow Jesus, before you ever become a Christian, so that one day He will love you. It's not how it works. He already loves you. He proves that on the cross. So, you trust in Him, you're made new, so you live holy lives, because you've been changed and given His Spirit inside of you. Okay? Finishing up here. Continuing on, what does it look like for us to to put on the armor of light? Verse 13. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Okay? How are we going to walk in the light, not in darkness? So here are some things. Not ever. This isn't a full list, but here are some things that are considered darkness. Not in orgies and drunkenness. Not in sexual immorality or sensuality. Not in quarreling or jealousy. Those you could probably say could be different categories. But ultimately, it's pointing out sin. Various sin. We're not to walk in those. Do we sometimes fall? Yes, we still have our flesh and we some, sometimes still fall. But we repent of it and we keep moving forward. So we're not to walk in these ways as followers of Jesus. But verse 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Well, what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? Because I'd like to do that because I don't want to walk in the darkness. So what does that mean? Well, first and foremost, of course, it means trusting in Jesus like we talked about before. You have to first trust in Him, receive His Spirit so that you can walk in the Spirit. But I think it's also remembering that His righteousness has been given to you and you have to think about that every day. You have to remember the Gospel, the good news, every single day. That you need his righteousness, that you have His righteousness and you need His Spirit to help you. If you try to follow Him on your own strength, guess what happens? Doesn't go well. On your own strength means I'm going to get up, I'm not going to spend time in the Word, I'm not going to pray, I'm not going to be with God's people, I'm just going to handle this thing. And when things get really bad, that's when I go to Him. Guess what? You're bad enough, it's always really bad. And so am I. We need Him. Just like we need to eat Every day, multiple times a day. Some of our guests were here and we had some good food these last couple of days. We have to eat all the time. Spiritually, we have to eat Christ. Meaning, read His Word. Meditate. Pray. So we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ each and every day throughout the day. And then we need to be careful that we make no provision for the flesh. No provision for the flesh. What does that mean? What I thought about when I thought about this provision of the flesh 
Think about a fire for a moment. Some of you have sat around a fire before, a campfire. If you bring dry wood around that fire and get it right up next to it there, maybe a little bit in the fire, guess what's going to happen? It's going to keep burning. If you get some paper, put it on the fire, it's going to keep burning. Some pine needles, throw them on there, it's going to keep burning. But if you bring over some water, put that on the fire, that's going to work to put it out. Whatever you bring towards that fire, it's either going to cause it to grow or put it out. Provision for the flesh would be like bringing things close to the fire, allowing it to continue on. So what that means is sin in our lives, we don't want to make provisions for sin. Don't put yourself in situations to where your flesh, where you're going to be tempted and then fall into it and make that fire continue to grow. Real easy example, if you're not married, you don't need to be alone with somebody from the opposite sex. You don't need to be putting yourself in a situation to where you might fall in sin there. Flee from it. Don't put yourself in that situation and make provision for the flesh. This could be applied to any aspect of our lives when it comes to sin. So what Paul would say is, instead of putting yourself in a bad situation, stay away from that and put on Christ. Be with God's people. Be in his word. Be in prayer. And do not put yourself in that situation. A few application points as we close. I have them at the bottom of the, the notes there and a little bit on the back page. Here's a few things to take away application-wise. You need to understand today that all people are considered your neighbors. Do you get that? A amen? Can I get an amen to that, everybody? Amen. amen. Hey, people, the people that you don't like, are they your neighbors? Yeah, yeah they are. Number two, by the power of the Spirit, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, this is just the work, the fruit of the Spirit coming out in, in us. So we need to love others selflessly, even if they don't deserve it. Why? Because you don't deserve God's love. Remember that. Number three, we live holy lives because you have been made holy. So stay away from sin and don't even make provision for it in your life. Get it away. Get away from that fire and do not put anything else around it. And last, if you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, what, is, what, is, what are you supposed to do? You're not supposed to do those other things yet because you've got to know him first and you need his spirit first. So if you're here, I would encourage you, I would implore you to trust in Jesus who died for your sin, your guilt, and your shame against God. But he rose to, remember, justify you with God continue to follow him or begin to follow him to look more like Jesus until the day you get to go be with him forever. Amen?